Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning to you guys, too. I missed it last week. I was at Harupa. I got to teach over there last week, and Pastor John, our Harupa pastor came here. I hope you enjoyed Pastor John. He's a really, really good young man. We're pretty blessed to have some really good young preachers, are we not? Amen. I mean, we got some good ones, so uh, the church is in good hands. Um, I'm, I know they already made the announcement, but uh, I just want to reinforce it. That's we, we have the groceries up here for reminders. That this is something that's just beginning here at New Beginnings. Now it's going to be our a community market. It's a food ministry. So if anybody here needs a bag of groceries, please take them. If you know a family, a friend that needs a bag of groceries, they do not need to come to church here. They don't even need to be Christians. This could be something as an evangelistic outreach showing the love of Jesus outside of our church walls. Any amens on that? So you take that and you give that to them. And you know, you might even offer a prayer for them right there. Just a great, great thing to do. It may be for somebody that works, whoever it is. Just make sure that you take one and, and, and do something with that outside. They're all lined up out there after service, so you can go outside and, and get them. I think these are for second service, I think. so, But I could be wrong on that. Um, <clears throat> next week, um, this is the end of our impact uh, event series, and hopefully you've enjoyed it. But next week, we're going to go into a series called Easter Anthology. And it's going to be uh, one, two, three. The third Sunday is Palm Sunday. Then we're going to go to Good Friday. And then I'll do something online on that Saturday and then Sunday, Easter Sunday. And I'm going to go about it um, differently. I'm going to start it off differently. Let me put it to you that way so that I can end up a certain way. And it's something that I've been personally studying for um, probably three to four years now. I really uh, became very interested in these things because of the day and age we live in and the attack on the existence of God, whether there is a God, the attack on God's word, the attack on the evidence for the resurrection, the attack on all those things. And so I became very um, focused in my studies on that with uh, brilliant scholars reading them and listening to them because I I wanted to make sure I could equip our our local church body in this direction. And especially because we have young people nowadays that go off to college. Some of your young kids go out to college and the first weekend that they're being bombarded with the Bible's a big fable, there is no God, there's no this, science eliminates God, they're involved in all those things. And they say that I think it's about 80% of young people, Christians, that go off to college, uh, they walk away from the faith. The good news is about two-thirds of those go, come back when they have uh, families and have kids. They realize this is important. They come back to it. But I'd like to nip that in the bud on the front side. Any amens on that? And so, and plus equip the church. And so <clears throat> it's going to be very different. Um, the first one especially. Because next Sunday, I'm going to go from the... Uh, you're going to, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to use one verse. And I'm going to go from the perspective of... Is there evidence, scientific evidence for the existence of God? And I'm going to take it from there because there are people that will not listen to the Bible. They just want to go with science. Okay, we'll go with science. What does science say about the existence of a creator? So I'm going to start from there. Then I'm going to go into who is Jesus. And that should be a really interesting too. And I'm going to take a few little angles off that one that I really, I really enjoy, like a lot. Then Palm Sunday is obviously a Palm Sunday message. And then um, Good Friday. We're going to take the one verse for Jesus on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we'll take the aspect of forgiveness on Good Friday. 
And then on Easter Sunday morning, I'm starting out the first one at the existence of God and who is Jesus because, and by the way, the first one's called, oh, let me get this right, um, resurrection equals miracles and miracles equal God. If there is no God, then there are no miracles. If there are no miracles, there can be no resurrection. So we're going to look at the existence of God to show that there is existence of God, therefore we can have miracles, therefore we can have resurrection. So when I get to Easter Sunday and I talk about why I believe the resurrection is true, I can talk about the evidence, but I've already started with the existence of God. Does that make sense to anybody here today? Because that's the way I'm, that's the direction I'm going to go. So, um, and like I said, I've never tackled these subjects on this much. I uh, waited until I knew enough on these things. And so, uh, but today we're going to finish. We're going to finish our series called, uh, our impact event series. This one's called The Return. And so, um, how many of you know I've said in times past, multiple times, that my wife is like the queen of returns? Anybody remember me saying that? <laughs> she, she's, anybody, anybody like that here, by the way? Now, now, let me tell you, raise your hand again if you, if you do. Okay, there, there's, there, they have addictions here. It's what they have, okay? There, let me tell you why they do it, because I know why my wife does it. I can't prove it empirically or forensically, but um, my wife, I think she buys things so she can return them. Because it gives her an excuse to go back to the store. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, come on. It's church, be honest. Um, when my wife got sick, was in the hospital with COVID, remember that? Um, when she came out and she was on oxygen, she couldn't go anywhere. Guess what she had me do? I had to take some things back. I had to take some of her returns back. And then once she got off oxygen and we started going places, one of the first places we went to, oh, I got to go to Kohl's. I got to return something. Really? <laughs> now, I, like I said, I think, and you know, when, when you purchase something, I know nowadays you, you buy it online and you take it back to whatever place to send it back, but, but my wife, if she buys something, she goes back to that store. She returns to that place and she spends a little time inside there after she's returned it. But, um, but she's the queen of returns. And so my wife's car always has some returns bags in there too. It's outstanding. Um, it's, it's a problem. It's, it's bad. But anyway, no. But she returns things. Now I want to talk to you today about, um, about a consistent return to Jesus Christ after the initial impact of salvation. After you first become a follower of Christ, I want to look at, I want to ask the question, how often do we, we return to him specifically? Blocking out moments of our life. How often? We're going to look at that today. Later on. But first I want to read a few verses out of John 6. It's not our text. We'll look, Luke 17 is going to be our text. And in John 6, it says this. This is, this is Peter and Jesus having an exchange. Let me read it, but let me explain some things around it because I can't read the whole text. Because it's not, it's just, I'm just going to pull something out of here. It says in John 6, 6, 6, no, John 6, 6, <laughs> bad, bad. <laughs> As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. Jesus' disciples are now leaving. And we're not walking with them anymore. Kind of sad, huh? Here you have, in person, there he is, and you walk away. But there's a reason. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? And then Simon Peter answers him, Lord, key word Lord, I mean, hear the Lord of my life. To whom shall we go? You, meaning only you, have words of eternal life. 
Now, people um, are leaving Jesus by swarms at this time because Jesus has made a statement. He's made a hard statement. And how many of you know, whenever we all, I think we all know this, that when we have to talk about some of the hard black and white things in the New Testament, some people, some followers of Christ will either say, forget it, walk away, or that doesn't pertain to me, even though it's right here, right? There are hard statements. There are black and white statements that it's, it's here, and we have to follow. We've got to live by that. Jesus makes a hard statement that they misconstrue. They do not understand it. Jesus explains it, but they still don't get it. He says, and this is why they left him. Many people did. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Now, some blogger out there, and I like to warn this because I just can't believe people do this stuff, but they'll say, oh, Jesus is into cannibalism. Why would you serve a Jesus like that? that like I, I like to tell you now, is that, that person, once they make a statement like that, doesn't know the Bible, not a scholar, never read the front side, back side of anything, never put all the scriptures together to see that there's no such thing as cannibalism in the entire Bible. But they'll make dumb statements. Any amens on that? They do. So don't buy into it. But what Jesus is talking about there is that in him is the life. In that whole context, I couldn't read the whole thing, he tells the guys, he says, it's the spirit that gives life, the flesh profits nothing. Right there contextually, he's telling you, he's, he's using illustration that are pointing towards spiritual things. So he's not talking literally about eating his flesh or drinking his blood. He's using it in this context as pointing to something else that just like you and I need food and water for our physical body to be at its best, we also need spiritual food and spiritual water for our spiritual life and our whole life to be at its best. Amen. That's what he's talking about. It's very simple. And let me add one more thing. The reason why somebody may misinterpret incorrectly is because the Bible clearly teaches that these things are only spiritually appraised. You must have the Spirit of God in you, become a follower of Christ. When the Spirit of God comes in you, then you can spiritually appraise these things and what they really mean. Outside of that, you can't. You can get it close, but you really can't. It's what the Bible teaches. So, so Jesus now has made the hard statement, but it's a spiritual statement. But he tells Peter, to whom shall, you're going to leave me too? Peter goes, to whom shall we go? Only you have life. And if you watch Peter's life, he makes a lot of mistakes in the Gospels, does he not? But I like him because he's always jumping forward, you know. He's taking risks. And every time he makes a mistake, though, he always returns to Christ. Even when he doesn't make a mistake, he returns to Christ. He's a man who returns and returns and returns and returns all the time. And that's what I want to talk about today. Do we return to Christ? How important is that returning to Christ? Now, I love the fact in the series that ends today that some of the points I get to go all different directions because I'm a preacher. How many know preachers can do that, right? And then I got to get to the impact event, right? But it's been really fun for me. So let's put that aside, return on. Let's look for the last time at our key verses and our statement. And let's just read them. I'm not going to explain it anymore, just a little bit, because I've already done that enough throughout the series. Here we go. And I need you to read these two verses with me. Here we go. One, two, three. Call to mind the former things, or ponder things of the past. Behold, I'll do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make 
a roadway in the wilderness rivers and the desert. This is when Isaiah's prophesying 170 years in the future. They're coming back out of Babylon, now conquered by the Persians. They're traveling eight, 900 miles from uh, Babylon all the way back to Israel. God says, I'm going to do new things. Don't think about the past. I'm going to make a roadway in the desert. This is about an impact event in their life. It's going to be new stuff. Don't think about the past. And impact events, they have a way of reshaping your life in different directions. Any amen? So, I mean, you've had many of them in your life, and if you play them right, they will lead you in great new directions led by the Spirit of God. So our impact event statement is this. Say it with me, one, two, three. Impact events shape the future. Absolutely. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 17. In Luke 17, we're going to look at the story of the ten lepers. Luke is the only one who records the story in the Gospels. And Luke, by the way, if you are interested, Luke, writer of the Gospel of Luke, never, ever walked with Jesus Christ. Is that amazing? So how does he know these things? Well, he went back and he interviewed all the eyewitnesses, the disciples, to find out what went on. He recorded it and he writes the Gospel of Luke and he writes his companion Gospel. We call it the book of Acts. Those two go together. Luke writes them both to a certain individual. Now, in the story of the ten lepers, which is a great story, by the way, we're going to pull out three things today, then I'm going to drive that puppy home. I'm going to go in some directions that may be like, oh, uh, uh, but I like doing that, okay? Here we go. Point one is this. Commonality breeds unity. Say that with me. Commonality breeds unity. That's right. Let's read verse 11 and 12. Would you read it with me? It's that. No, I'll read it. I'm sorry. I'll read it. I, I was getting get kind of excited. Um, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus on the way to Jerusalem. He was passing between Samaria and Galilee. So now we know he's traveling from the north of Israel to the south. Galilee's in the north, he's traveling south. In the middle in there somewhere, a little bit southwest, is Samaria. Um, he's passing between the two areas. Galilee is the Sea of Galilee, Samaria. And as he entered a village, verse 12, ten leprous men who stood at a, say it, at a distance, they met it. Now, as we begin this, understand, we got 10 lepers. In that day, you got to stay away. That's why it says they're at a distance. If your people around you that aren't lepers, and you come near them, you have to yell out, unclean, unclean. And you have to stay so many feet away. That was their law. Can you imagine the loneliness of that lifestyle? I've shared with you before, these people had to be away from their family because this leprosy was contagious. They could not be around them anymore. It's a very lonely lifestyle. And here comes Jesus, and he's passing through. Now, he's passing through what two areas? It said it. What, what were they again? Galilee and, and Samaria. That's a very important statement because he's tweening. He's going in between the two areas right there. We know that at least one of the ten lepers is a Samaritan. We know that. You'll read it later on in the verses today. But it doesn't tell us how many Samaritans and how many Jews there are. We don't know. No one knows. There could be more than one Samaritan there. Now let me tell you, because I want to bring this commonality breeds unity. And I want to go this way and then bring it back in. Now, do at that time, in this time in history, a couple thousand years ago, do the Jews and Samaritans get along? Do they hang out with each other? They do not. They pretty much hate each other. They don't like each other. Now, what's the problem? They are different ethnicities, is what they are. The Jews are the Jews. But what a Samaritan is, is when the Assyrians, Assyrians, invaded the northern kingdom in times past, and they conquered it, they intermarried. And the result of the intermarrying of Assyrians and Jews was this group of people called the Samaritans. 
In fact, one day, the religious leaders attacked Jesus and say, are we not saying right that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? It was a put-down to a Jew. And they called Jesus Samaritan. It was a put-down. So these guys, they do not like each other. They do not get along with each other. But these ten guys are hanging out with each other. Why are they hanging out with each other when in real life they would never hang out with each other? Why? They all have leprosy. They have something in common. Do they not? Do they not? Commonality breeds unity. Now let me share some things. I like to share these things and come back just so we get a perspective because I, I don't buy into almost any of the cultural thinking out there just to be honest with you. If you ever want to dialogue with me, I'd be glad to dialogue it. I have my Bible with me almost all the time. But bring your Bible. Bring your Bible because I don't buy into the cultural thing at all just so you know where I stand on things. I buy, I buy into this. I don't buy into people's view or what they think or what they feel. I don't buy into that, okay? Because all that means is they're, they're playing Adam and Eve saying, I can be a God and I deify my own opinions. I'm done with that. I just don't want that at all because that's not truth. Any amens? I'm tired of the political correctness when the world says there are no absolutes, meaning this is not absolute, but they make political correctness their absolute. Do they not? Do they not? I'm getting upset. I need to calm down right now. Okay. I get riled up about, you know, I, I don't want to be a cranky old preacher, okay? I really don't. I've, I've just, they just accepted me to Medicare. I don't want to be a cranky old preacher. <laughs> right? Right? And some of you at home thinking, you can't be over 35. Now, let me talk about this whole thing. Ethnicity is not getting along. They're getting along. Do you know the, the first mistake they make out there? They, they call it different races. How many know that's incorrect? Acts 17.26 says God made from one. Adam. He made from one. All people. So there are not multiple races. There's only one human race. And we have different ethnicities. Any amens? They make that mistake out there. And that just creates division. Does it not? Do you know that all of us, I don't care who you are, what you are, where you are, 99.9% .9 of all of us are exactly the same. The only one-tenth of a percent difference is eye color, eye shape, skin tone, but everything else, we're exactly the same. Exactly the same. And, and, that's, and I don't care if you're white, black, medium brown. <laughs> there is no such thing as racial differences. We are not multiple races. And it drives me nuts sometimes when I listen to this rhetoric out there. I'm thinking, we're different ethnicities. And aren't you glad for the different ethnicities like Mexican food? Amen. I'm glad for you Italiano, my paisano. For, yeah, man, I love Italian food. It's really good stuff, man. None of you Italian here? You didn't say amen to that? Okay, whatever. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Olivia made tacos last night with her homemade hot sauce and guacamole. Ay, ay, ay. She's coming back. <laughs> now, I heard this from uh, Dr. Tony Evans, great preacher in Texas, and I thought, I never thought about that. Uh, I listened to him one time about six, eight months ago. He says in Revelation 5, 9, he says, and I thought, and I read it, go, yeah, it makes sense that it could be that in heaven we're going to be the exact same co uh, color that we are here. You ever think about that? I never thought about it either. Until he said that, I go, wow, Tony, that's pretty cool. Now, where do I want to take this? Because I've got to get back to some kind of point here. <laughs> Commonality breeds unity. You know, Jesus one day um, 
See, the danger is when you've been Christian so long and been preaching so long, you've got all these things popping in your head whenever you say one thing. But Jesus one day, so I'll stay on task. In John chapter 4, he, um, he, he, on purpose, he goes through Samaria and he waits by a well and a woman comes by. Remember that story, anybody? If you don't remember that story, don't worry. If you're new to faith, don't worry. You're going to learn a lot. And the woman comes up and the whole interaction is, give me a drink. She goes, ah, can you being a Jew? Ask me a Samaritan woman for a drink. So she understands, we don't get along. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? They get into this whole dialogue because the Samaritans have their own place of worship in the north because they didn't want their people to go to the south to the temple in Jerusalem or to be around Yahweh worship. So she says this. She says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain and she says but you say you Jews say that Jerusalem is a place we ought to worship now she brings up her dad her granddaddy and her great granddaddy and her great great granddaddy is what she just said this is what my family taught me when Jesus hears that she brings up daddy guess who Jesus brings up daddy he says listen to me lady says, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. He says, you want to bring up your daddy? I'm going to bring up my daddy. And my daddy is smarter than your daddy. And my daddy knows more than your daddy. And your daddy, your da and what he's basically saying is, your daddy's wrong, your granddaddy's wrong, your great-granddaddy's wrong, your great-great-granddaddy's wrong, your great-great-great-granddaddy, they're all wrong. Because there's only one, this dad in heaven, and he's the one who's right. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And what's he really telling every one of us within the point of commonality breeds unity? That he's saying, you and I, and we wish the world would, but they don't, choose theology, the study of God, over sociology and that thinking. If everybody in this world believed, understood, that we all have one Father in heaven and we all came from one, would we have commonality? Would we have commonality? And it would breed unity. Now, let me t bring it down to uh, brass tactics, okay? <clears throat> the problem is that, uh, and, and, and listen, this is why I, I rarely watch news, because I sure don't want that kind of crud in my mind. But they just keep feeding things and feeding things. You ever notice that? It's like, let it go. Let it go. You ever have somebody who comes with the same broken record story all the time? And what do you do? You get kind of tired of it, don't you? It's like you don't answer your phone, huh? They knock at the door and you're like... Look, how, how do you, you want to find unity? Don't listen. They're just bringing up differences. But how do you find commonality with others? One of the ways is you get to know them. Find out about them. Am I right? You got to get close to people. I don't care who they are. Now let me tell you the mistake, this is the culture speaking, that we cannot buy into in getting close to people. And don't make this mistake because the culture keeps breeding this. And it's so stupid. Amen. When you get close to somebody and you become the friend with somebody that's not like you, do you have to agree with each other on everything? No, you can be an adult, can't you? 
But the culture, a certain segment of it, thinks that, oh no, you have to agree with me or you hate me or you're intolerant. Now, when people, if, if somebody does that to me, I feel like I'm talking to a seven-year-old. Don't ever do that to anyone. You don't even agree with your spouse on everything. You sit there when she doesn't agree with you, you say, oh, you hate me, you're intolerant. If somebody ever does this stuff, let me take it to, I like taking things from one context to another to show the, re, the, 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 the stupidity of every of it. All. Have, you, have you ever disagreed, if you raise kids, have you ever disagreed with your children? And if that child said, you hate me, do you really hate them? No, but you know I'm not going to agree with that. But that doesn't mean I hate you. Look, you're eating dinner. Who bought it for you? See, the, the, that's one of the mistakes of culture. And it's like, oh my gosh, how can we become so crazy? That I, you ha I have to agree with you? For me, otherwise, I hate you? No, 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 no. That's why when, last year when you see the people march in the streets, get in people's faces, you got to agree. I'm thinking, really? Are we communists now? Are we not Americans anymore? That I can't have a difference of opinion? I can't look at things differently? Am I not free anymore? Am I going to become a child now? Really? See, some of you, somebody in this room, you need to hear what I'm telling you right now because you're going down the wrong road in your thinking. And if you want to stay an immature little child in your thinking like a grown-up brat, then you can go down that road. But I'm telling you, grow up. Any amens on that? Grow up being an adult. You don't have to react to everything. So, I don't even know where I'm at anymore in my notes. Well, the, le the lepers had something in common, and their commonality brought unity. Find common ground with people, and you're going to find all people are pretty much alike. We're all pretty much alike. Now, the second thing is this. I can be impacted and rarely respond. And we know that just from life. Now, look at verse 13 and 14. It says, And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They're yelling, guys. When he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were... Let me see. I, I got, let, me, let me sidebar, come back. Um, uh, Jesus is passing through. There are ten lepers. They can't come near people. Could this possibly, I'll use the word possibly, be their only opportunity to encounter Jesus for healing? possible and so they see their window of opportunity how many know that windows of opportunity open and then they they close fast and so see they see the window of opportunity and they jump how many of us can look back and think about windows that open and we didn't jump and we can kick ourselves for that huh let me tell you something about windows of opportunity besides opening and closing very quickly when that window opens up in your life, you had better be ready to jump through it. Let me explain what I mean. John Wooden, the late great coach of UCLA Bruins, made this statement. He had all these many great statements. But he said, when the window of opportunity opens, it's too late to prepare. Your whole life is a preparation for the window. The reason why they never, you, some people never jump through the window is they never prepare themselves. They sit there and pout. I'm a victim. I'm this. I'm that. No. Get up. Prepare yourself because the window will open. Amen. And then when it opens, jump. <laughs> jump. I could go off on that, but I won't, okay? No. 
Now, he, now let's get back to this. So some people, it's impacted, they rarely respond. So, so now what happens is, he says, he didn't, he, notice he didn't tell them, you're healed of your leprosy. He didn't say that, huh? He said, go show yourself to the priest. Why does he do that? Because it's the priest who would inspect them, Old Testament law, and inspect them, and he would declare them clean. No more leprosy. Now, they begin walking. They're not healed yet. But they begin walking. And as they're walking, what happens? What happens? They're healed. That means that when Jesus speaks and the Word of God says it, you just got to trust it and walk in it and then watch and see the goodness of God happen in your life. Any amens? But we sit there and say, no, do it first before I have to trust you. Really? Really? Then don't ever get married. Some of you got that, huh? Okay. But the initial impact, there's an initial impact in their life. We're, we're cleansed. Remember the initial impact of Jesus in your life? Do you remember? Do you remember the things that changed overnight? Do you remember? Do you remember how you used to be this way and this way, but no more? Do you remember? Do you remember how your attitude changed? Where I did this, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do this now, I want to live right. Do you remember? And then there's an initial impact. <clears throat> we all have initial impacts in our life, but you cannot just live only in the initial impact. And that leads to the third point, and that's this, impact events. It's the return. Now he's had the initial impact. And now let's see what happens after the initial impact. Now, verse 15, 16, 17, 18 says this. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, walking along, goes, oh my gosh, I don't have leprosy. My fingers are back, everything. You say, how can that be? Well, look, if he's the creator of the universe, which Jesus is, he can do whatever he wants to do. He turned back. He turned back. Say, turn back. He turned back. Glorifying God with a, a loud voice. Oh my gosh, I'm cleansed. Coming to worship. Wow, that's a real testimony of what God has done in your life, huh? We're singing on stage, everybody's worshiping, you're like, wow, look what she's wearing. <laughs> Some of us have lost the joy of our salvation, have we not? Have we not out there? And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks. Oh, and he's glorifying God, and he's giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Oh, that just, you need to, we don't get this part, but when he says, and he was a Samaritan, it's just the Jews like, Wah. is that weird or what? <laughs> then Jesus answered and said, hey, watch what Jesus said, listen to what Jesus, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner that's foreigner you know it's just using southern accent they come back I'm sorry one comes back there were ten Jesus asked the question Were there, weren't there ten where's the other nine I have a question does Jesus notice when people return or don't return to him See, there was an initial impact. Cleansed. 
but only one kept returning. That's our issue today, right? How often do we return to Christ? Okay. Let me put it this way. <clears throat> Olivia and I, this, do you don't have to clap because you do every time I say this. So don't, don't clap. So this September, we'll be married 40 years. 40. I remember our first date after she asked me out and stuff. And so. <laughs> no, she didn't ask me out. I asked her out. You know where I took her on our first date? <laughs> I must have been full of myself, man. I took her to watch me play basketball in a men's league game. Because I wanted her to see what an athletic skilled guy she was getting, you know? I wanted her to see that back then in 1980, when I was young, I, I was a point guard. I could go each hand, I could cross you over, I could go behind my back, full blast, do whatever. I could no look pass, I could do all. I really could. And I wanted to see what kind of guy she might be getting here. <clears throat> so after that, we began dating. I remember what she was wearing too that night. She was wearing red top and denims. And she looked real good in those denims. And then we started dating. Then we, we get engaged. And during the, there was times that our work schedules were so conflicting while we were dating and engaged that uh, we could only see each other sometimes 30 minutes or an hour a certain day, which really bummed her out because she wanted to see me eight hours a day. Infatuation, you know what's that. <laughs> um, and then we got married eventually. But after we got married, we finally realized through a lot of brokenness and problems in our marriage that we needed to keep dating each other. And so we started to do that. And every week we have a date time. Every week we do this. Just her and I. And she always wants to sit alone, nibble on my ear. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's like, babe, come on. Man. I, get, I get it, babe. I get it. No, she doesn't do that. I kidding. She would never do that in public. <laughs> and so, um, but we keep dating. Date. We, we keep doing this. So we keep returning, in a sense, to each other. Now, what would happen if, after that first date, when I took her to watch me play basketball, Corona Senior High Gymnasium, and immensely, what after that I said, hey, uh, uh, I want to go out with you, but in about three months from now. And then three months I show up, we go out and do something else about, all about me. And then I go, I'll be back in about five months so we can go out. And then we get married and then uh, I say, you know what, it was a great honeymoon, but I'm going to take off for a couple months with my buddies and I'll be back, you know, in a couple months, spend a few days here and be gone. Would the marriage or the dating or anything last? Would there even be a second date? I doubt, no, there's just no way. <laughs> Olivia with Olivia? No. Um, so we had to keep returning to each other to make the thing work. Am I right? And even after you've married, after impact, event impact, we had to keep doing that to keep the thing fresh. Am I right? See, even in everyday life relationships, you have to have a regular return, do you not? Now, <clears throat> I want you to see. And by the way, by having a regular return to each other, it impacts us in a positive way. We're here almost 40 years into this thing. Now let me show you how the man, because there's benefits. Because you can say, oh preacher, you just want me to keep turning to Jesus. No, there's a benefit for all of us in returning and returning and returning to Jesus Christ. Is there not? Watch. Verse 19. 
And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you... Oh, wow. The one guy that comes back, falls to the ground, worship, giving thanksgiving, which are transformative elements of our faith. He says, Get up. Your faith has made you well. You know what the words made well mean or well? The literal idea of that word is the idea of a newborn delivered baby. You're delivering a baby. So this guy is experiencing new, new life in the moment. I like to look at that and think about, hmm, that means that when I had the first impact of that salvation and things changed in my life and I got to share about those things, now, every, when I keep returning, I can have also new things happen in my life through Christ. Any amens? I can have transformative elements of my life for, the, for all my life if I keep returning to Christ. He said there's a benefit to being a regular returner of these things. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. If you're that man in that story and you're a leper and you're walking away, And the leprosy's gone. And you have not been with your family. You have not been able to go home. You have not been able to hold down a job to support yourself or anything. What's the first thing you want to do? What's the first thing you want to do? I want to go home. I want to go home. In fact, I want to go home with my family. I remember we used to play card games, whatever. I want to go home. I want to have fun again. I want my life back. I'm going to go home. What does the man do? What does the man do? He comes to Jesus. Let me tell you something. This man intentionally blocked out some time in his life, even though there's a bunch of other things he would like to do, but he blocked out a little bit of time to return to Jesus. When I say this, I'm not saying that you cannot live a fun life. I like having fun. I like being with my family. I spend time with them. I like going out. I like being entertained. Uh, right now, one of my big frustrations is I can't go sit down in a restaurant and go to a movie on the big screen. It's just driving me crazy. I want that back. I'm not saying you have to stop all that stuff. So don't think Christians are no fun. They, they're great fun. I'm saying you block out a little bit of your time and you return to Jesus because the benefits are incredible. Are they not? The man blocks out a part of his life to return. That's all I'm saying. See, when we're impacted by Jesus, the tendency is to retreat and not have so much return time. We should continue the return time in our life. Let me, let me finish it off this way. Um, any of you, like me, have a few restaurants that are your go-to restaurants? Yeah, I do. One of them is 50 miles away. And I told you what it is. It's Freddy's Steak Burgers in Victorville off Bear Valley Drive. Right? I turned you on to that, right? Yeah, you're with me, bro. Amen. Commonality breeds unity. Scranton, Del Campo, right there. Two ethnicities were on the money. 
50 miles. We take time to go there as a family. We love it. It's a 100-mile round trip. But I love it so much. It's so good. The jalapeno dressing. I dip my fries even in that stuff. I would dip my head in that stuff. I go there. I go there because it's so good. You know what David said in the Psalms? Taste and see that the Lord is good. For anybody, for what it's worth out there, I didn't want to be a Christian. I thought Christians were dumb. I thought they were no fun. I thought, what a waste of my time. I didn't want to be this. And then I gave my life to Christ. And I tasted. And I've kept going back because it's like, I've never found anything this good. Can you tell when I teach this Bible how excited I get? It's so good. It's so good having clear thinking instead of thinking like out there. It's so good walking according to this and watching everything get better. Not perfect. I still have my problems. What did I want to say? This was in my head. And it's not on my notes. Um, when Jesus, in John chapter 2, he goes to the wedding there in Cana. He goes with his mother. The assumption is maybe the mom knew as a family member, cousin, whatever. And the mom's helping at the wedding. They run out of what? They run out of wine. Jesus has them fill all these big old stone containers, and they're big, of water. And then he says, serve it now. And then water turned to wine. And only the servants knew it. And I know somebody out there saying, you really believe that Jesus turned water into wine? Well, if he created water, I don't think turn into wine is such a stretch. When he serves the, the wine, when he has a servant serve the wine, they taste it, and the, the, head, the waiter tastes it. He goes, and he makes a statement. He goes, oh my gosh. He didn't know where it came from. He didn't know what happened. He says, and he's talking to the groomsman. He says, everybody at a wedding serves the best stuff first, but you saved the best for last. The stuff Jesus made was better than everything else that was there. Now, I want you to think about this. Please listen. Everything in life starts out great, does it not? But the more you're with it, the more you see the flaws in it. It's not, it's not as good as it was. It kind of loses its appeal. Anybody know what I mean? Anybody know what I mean? But not with Jesus. He's the reverse. You taste, and he's good. And he gets better and 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 better. And as you return, 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 through what you're doing now, through close fellowship, through reading the word, through prayer, through serving, whatever it is, not only does he get better and better and better and better, you and I get better and better and better and better. I think that's a tremendous, tremendous enticement and benefit. Is it not? The man had an initial impact, cleansed, but he returned. And because he returned, he got better than everybody else. Amen. Let's pray. Series over. Del Campo out.
Jesus, your word is so good. It's so good. I'm not going to take a lot of time, but if you're here today and or online or wherever you're at watching six months later, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never put your faith in him. You've never become a follower of Jesus. And let's say you want to today. I hope you do. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the one that came down, went to a cross to carry your sins and mine to become our substitute, shed his blood to forgive us of our sins. He died. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and there is evidence of that. Yes, in history, there is evidence. It's not blind faith. But he came to save you, to change your life. He came to give you an eternity with him. But you've got to follow him. You've got to make him the Lord of your life. And if you've never done that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Or if you backslid, you've walked away, you, you, you don't return anymore. It's time to return. So I'm going to say this prayer right now. If you want to put your faith in Christ for the first time or rededicate your life, I'm going to say it right now. Everyone here in, in person, repeat it out loud with me. And if you want to put your faith in Christ or return to Christ, whether here or out there in online land, I want you to repeat this prayer So Everybody here say it with me, especially those who want to put their faith in Christ or return to Christ. Here we go. Say it. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. And I know I'm forgiven. Today I choose to follow you with my whole heart for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. I'm going to pray now. God, I pray for everyone who said that prayer for the first time in rededication. Your life's not going to be perfect. You'll get better and better and better through the power of the Spirit of God now living in you and through the cross of Christ that has broken the power of the past. But you're a new creature in Christ. You're a new person. You walk in newness. Now begin to read your Bible, New Testament. Stay in the New Testament for about three years. Get into church fellowship. You cannot survive, a, you cannot maintain a strong Christianity without fellowship. It's a New Testament fact. Don't, don't argue it. It's a fact. But begin to walk for your Savior and begin to share your faith. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for your goodness to us, God. Thank you for saving people. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, Amen and Amen. Stand up with me, everybody. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.